Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and thank you so much for joining us today. We had a little glitch, so we are on the phone instead of on Zoom, but that's okay. I like to usually see my guests, but I guess you'll have to come back another time. Um, I am just super grateful for all of you who have been with me since the beginning and to all of you who are signing on each week to get fit, mind, body, and soul. And as you guys know, because if you've been calling in, listening in every week, my goal is to educate, empower, and inspire you so you can live your best life ever. And, you know, at 59, um, you know, I've had some bumps in the roads, but it's never too late to live your best life. It's never too late to start over again, whether you're in your 20s or in your 60s. So remember that when you think that it's too late for you, it's not. So we are going to educate, empower, and inspire you. And today's guest is a millennial dating guru. Her name is Lindsay Metzler from the hit podcast, We Met at Acme. Lindsay is a native New Yorker and CEO of Lindsay's Lunchbox. Lindsay is a food Instagram influencer with over 95,000 following along. After many dating experiences, Lindsay felt it was imperative to create We Met at Acme, a podcast that delves into touchy and often taboo topics with some hilarious anecdotes along the way. Hey, Lindsay, how are you? Hey, Jody, I'm good. I'm so excited to be doing this and to chat with you today. Me too. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are a busy woman, so I really appreciate you being on here with me today. Of course. I'm so excited. I wanted to start with um, how you got involved in starting the podcast and what makes you an expert. How did you become an expert? How did you feel you were an expert to give out all this advice? How did it all start? Yeah. Great question. I actually, you know, I still to this day, I wouldn't call myself an expert. I think I'm still learning. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, even in 20 years from now, I'm going to still be learning. But the reason that I started my podcast about dating was because I was, you know, the one out of my group of friends that everyone went to for dating advice. And that was, you know, something that I thought I was really good at and really good at dating. And all of a sudden, I found myself dumped out of the blue on my birthday, actually. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, Obviously, you know, I'm not as good at this as I thought I was. So I grabbed a couple friends and started having conversations with them about their dating lives and my dating life and recording those conversations and started releasing it as a podcast. And it turned into a bigger thing than I ever imagined. Isn't that interesting that the things that like hit us when we don't expect it are the things that drive us to do the most organic things ever. And it's when we're living in our truth and we're doing the things that feel right, that it just organically helps us and helps others. Totally. I mean, it's, it's like really when you follow your passion, everything else, you know, comes into place. Absolutely. I truly believe in that. I've always followed um, my passion, which is, you know, fitness and um, being mentally fit and physically fit, sexually fit, all of those things, um, and talking about them with clients because that's what felt right for me. And when you do that, the, the same people, what you put out there, the same people will come to you. You know, you put out there this, this feel 
vibe, whatever you want to call it, and those people are attracted to you. And that's clearly, there was definitely a need for people to hear what you were saying. And I think it's so cool that you're helping so many millennials. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so fun. I'm, you know, helping myself also through this process and and have learned so much. And I'm just so curious about people's dating lives. So it's a, it's a nice excuse to, to ask those questions. Right. Yeah. You ask a lot of questions and I agree with you that even I've had my, my show for about nine months now, but even in my whole life, you know, as we change and as we change relationships and we change professions and we take the risks, we learn so much about what we can absolutely handle and the people that come into our life um, to help us along or guide us. And I think I loved what you said at the beginning that, you know, you don't really regard yourself as an expert because you're forever learning. And I think um, that's a lovely thing to say. And it's, I agree with it because we are forever learning, forever evolving until I, I feel until the day we die. So, uh, oh, 100%. Yeah, it's just a, a great feeling to know that. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you and I've been listening to a bunch of your podcasts and thoroughly enjoying them is how old are you and where are you from? I am 30 and I'm from New York City. I just turned 30, so it's, it's so fun to say that now. Yes, yes. I remember when I turned 30, um, almost 30 years ago. You know, we are almost exactly 30 years apart. I love that. <laughs> and so you are a Libra. I'm a Libra. And I have, I'm not like a typical Libra. I have a lot of earth in my chart. So I have Mm -hmm. a lot of Virgo and Capricorn about me instead of just um, being an air sign. I have that earth. So I like to think that I'm grounded because of that. And you're a Capricorn, right? I'm a Capricorn and my son is in Capricorn. Where's your son? My son is in Libra, but um, everything else is in Virgo and Capricorn for me. Wow, so you're really looking for that grounding. Yes, I need it. Um, it's, it's so important for me to like be realistic, especially when giving dating advice. You right. can't, you know, you can't be anything else. Well, you know, it's funny is that my sun is in Capricorn, my moon is in Taurus, my Venus is in Aquarius, so I have a little bit of that air thing going on there. Mm, yeah, you do. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. Do you use astrology to help people who ask for dating advice? I do. I do often. Um, someone will ask me, I'll do these like, dating consultations, and someone will say, will start telling me a story about them and their partner. And I will ask what their signs are just to better understand their general personality traits so that I can give better advice. But it's not something that I use in terms of compatibility because I really Mm -hmm. do believe that, you know, any two signs can be compatible. It's really about the entire chart, not just the sun signs. I completely agree. I always like to know when I was in the dating world, what sign somebody was. And I remember thinking when I didn't get along with somebody, I would say, what's your sign? And I remember it was either, it was usually a fire sign. And Mm, I just, I just, we were just like, did not get along any fire signs. And, and I'd be like, okay, that, that explains why I don't really care for you. And I don't want to go on another date with you. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, that's definitely happened to me. There are a few signs that I just don't, I don't want to say I don't like because it's too general, but I just don't understand and don't vibe with as much as others. Um, But it's it's different. It's, you know, someone, again, like someone could be a sign that I don't feel like I vibe with, but they're rising in moon or something I do. So we do end up vibing. So what is your relationship status now? I am in a relationship. I live with my partner and, um, and yeah, we actually, we just kind of recently moved in together. And how's that going? 
It's going really well. We are very particular about the, you know, right now figuring out like what sheets we want and what furniture we want and what we're going to hang up and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, just trying to make like the best home situation that both of us feel comfortable in. Um, but it's going really well. We've kind of put everything on the table in terms of like financials and, and everything, because you have to do that when you, when you live together and you have to figure out what's being split and things like that. Um, but if you could still, you know, think they're sexy after going through all that stuff, it's a good time. <laughs> I I agree with that. And that's always that's always something hard. Is this the first person you've lived with, your first boyfriend or first significant other that you've yes, lived with? This is the first significant other that I've lived with. So that's definitely new to me as well. Um, but I'm liking it. It's a very, like, secure feeling in a way. And it sounds like we're... Were you ready for this because you've dated, you had a hard breakup, like you mentioned, on your birthday, not this past birthday, um, but on a birthday, Mm -hmm. and do you feel that when you met your present boyfriend that he checked off a lot of the boxes that are in your rules, and and do you ever think about the advice you give others, and is there anything that maybe you might have, like, overlooked or just said, eh, no, that doesn't matter here in this relationship? Do you feel like you're taking, you're practicing mm. what you preach, basically? Yeah, I do feel like I'm practicing what I preach. It's funny because I don't necessarily believe in the checklist, per se, mm-hmm. um, and I've, you know, in my last relationship, he was great on paper, but there just was something off between us. So it's hard to go by like them being great on paper. But what I will say that I was missing in my last relationship was I didn't feel like I could envision this person as like, you know, a dad or um, as like a warm person that was on the same level as like my warmth and, and certain things like that. And then um, you know, I'm Jewish and my last partner wasn't Jewish and I didn't think that that mattered. And I, you know, I still don't think that matters, but I will say that now dating someone who is the same religion, it does make it easier uh, for, for me and like for me to understand their family because they're similar values. So that stuff has made it just feel more right. And I guess easier with, with my partner now. I actually love that you brought that up. Um, I have a million questions for you. Who knows if we'll ever get to them. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I'm sure you do the same thing for your guests. You have all these questions, and it's like it veers off to something else. But um, I am also Jewish, and my ex-husband is Jewish, and we brought up our children Jewish, and they are millennials. They are 27 and 31. I have two daughters. And... You know, I was talking to a friend about religion, and, you know, relationships are hard enough, and then you put in the factor of the two things you shouldn't talk about at parties or in business are religion and politics, okay? So life is hard enough. Relationships are hard enough. Do you feel that being the same religion definitely... Like for you, you just said, for you, it helps you. Do you find that in giving dating advice or questions you get from from people that it helps that if you are the same religion, given the reasons you give? And I agree with you. You know, for me, when I got married at 25, it was important for me to meet somebody of the same religion. It's who I fell in love with, and I was happy enough and lucky enough that he was Jewish because... That's I knew growing up traditionally Jewish, I wanted to raise my daughters that way, my children, whatever I was going to end up giving birth to. So mm-hmm. what do you tell to couple what do you advise couples that maybe might be struggling? Do you think that religion has played a part in some relationships and why it doesn't work or why it does work? I do. I think that, you know, it it is really hard and, and I find you know, one of my best friends, she's Muslim and her partner is Jewish and they work and they work really well, but they work because they met when they were really young and they committed to like having these differences. 
I think when you meet someone and you're older, um, like, you know, 30 and above, it's much harder to acclimate to like those differences because, you know, you just want someone who you don't have to, you know, teach them X, Y, and Z, and you don't have to ask them to like convert to a certain religion. And, and I think that, or explain again, what like, Passover just, is all about and what Yom Kippur is right. all about. Yeah. Right. And, and it just makes things easier. Like that's the bottom line. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work with someone of another religion. It just makes it easier. That's all that I think that it is. Right. I agree with you. I totally agree. It's just one less thing to worry about in a relationship. Totally. So I want to go over your top three dating rules. I know you said you don't necessarily like rules, but these are your top three dating rules. Um, I believe I have them correct. Don't ask where we are. Tell me about that. Yes. So that's more like, don't ask, what are we to your partner? Um, and, and I say that because it's just a scary question with a lot associated with it. Um, if you're trying to get somebody to define things with you, um, instead of saying, what are we or we need to talk, I think you can just tell them how you're feeling and hopefully they'll say that they're feeling the same way or they'll just tell you how they're feeling in general. But for you to just corner someone and say, what are we, what are we doing? I just have found from my own experience that that doesn't work. And that even if you have to ask a question like that, that could in itself be a bit of a red flag. I'm glad you said that. I think that if there's a question about, so what are we? If you don't know who you are with that person, then it's probably not the right relationship for you. Totally agree. And if somebody were to ask that, I mean, it's definitely weird in the first three or four dates, but after like six months, again, I guess it's the same thing. If you have to ask, so what are we? And the guy's like, I don't know. I don't, what do you want to be? Like, that would totally turn me off. Totally. Me too. Like, he should have his mind made up about what he does want. Um, But again, like, you shouldn't really have to force it out of him. Right. I agree. Um, The second one is, um, and I know there's some controversy over this when I listened to um, a show with one of your guests lately. Don't send a thank you text if if you've already thanked them in person. And you feel very strongly about this, right? Tell me why. Very strongly. Well, I just don't think that we need to overdo it as women. Like, we, you know, in a heterosexual situation, like, we should be pursued. And I also think that, you know, when you go on a date with someone, they ask you on a date and they buy you a drink or dinner you thank them right then and there on the date and you thank them with grace and you say, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking me out, whatever it is. So why should you have to then text them again the next day, a follow-up thank you text? Like why are we bending over backwards to praise these people for paying 20 bucks for our drink. Like, no, like there's no thank you again, necessary. Like my, like my presence on the date was a gift enough. And I already thank you. Plus a lot of people will send this thank you text to start a conversation with this person again, which interrupts their thought process of if they would have texted you on their own. And if they're actually genuinely interested in a second date or if they're just being nice because you texted them, thank you again. So the way I feel think? about that, I see, I totally see your point, like not acting to, oh my God, please, I just want to like hear from you again type of thing. Um, so you need to send them a thank you text. Like, don't forget me. Remember, we were on a date last night and even though I thanked you, I want to thank you again so you don't forget about me. So is that kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. It's like, let them decide that they want to message you again. Like you don't have to 
try to control every part of the interaction there. You already said thank you. I mean, what's your like motivation behind sending a thank you again? Right. I think that I think more like a guy sometimes. I definitely think mm-hmm. like a man a lot. Uh, and I, what I've done, I'm married now. I've been married. I got, it was a year in June. So, but before that I was dating since 2002, you know, dating for almost 16 years, 17 years. So I dated lots of different men, shapes, sizes, like religions, everything, like you name it, I dated it and learned a lot. But one of the things I like to do after I would go out with somebody on a first date is I would always wait. I wouldn't text them thank you the next day. I think it's a lovely thing if you want to, but I always like to wait for them to say, hey, it was really nice to be with you last night. So I kind of get what you're talking about. But then again, I don't think it's totally wrong to say thank you again. But I, I think that you've got to play it, play it by ear a little bit. Um, but again, I, I like to wait for them to text me. But I think it's a nice gesture. Yeah, um, exactly. The other, question, the other rule that you have is about your sexual number, right? Mm, yeah. What is that one? Explain that to me. So my rule is just that it's none of anybody's business and it's not something that you have to discuss ever. Um, And, you know, that one is definitely controversial because people, a lot of people think that it's really necessary that they know their partner's number, but I disagree. I don't think it's necessary at all. Does that mean how many people you've had sex with? Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. I don't think that's necessary at all. I don't think it's anybody's business at all to know how many people you've had sex with. I didn't know that was called sexual no number. Okay. So for my daughters who are listening, yeah. sorry guys, if I just embarrassed you, um, but I, I never <laughs> knew that. There was something somebody yeah, had texted real me. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess after, I, I also think that like, even after you're in a relationship for a while, I mean, I guess after you're intimate and you're, like, together as a couple, I I guess if somebody asks you, it's okay. But I still don't think it's necessary. I think, you know, it kind of shows when you're in bed together what your sexual number is, don't you think? Yeah, yes and no. I think a lot of men, um, you know, they could have had sex with 200 people and they still have no idea what they're doing. Good point. Very good point. <laughs> Um, I like that. Um, I have I have a few. You inspired me to think of a few dating rules of um, for myself, not for myself, but to throw out to maybe not just to millennials, um, but to women and men of all ages. Because I think the advice you give people um, could really relate to all ages. Has anyone ever said that to you, or do you think you just really are so specific about? dating advice for millennials? Yeah, I definitely think it's for all ages. I've given advice to friends of my mom and dad's and, you know, friends, parents, and, and um, you know, even the younger generation, like Gen Z. So I, I do agree that it could be applied to all ages for sure. What do you think about having sex on the first date? That's a no for me personally, but not because I think that it makes you like slutty or anything like that. I just think it takes away the fun and excitement of, you know, actually having a build up and getting to know this person. I agree. I think that um, it could happen. It could lead to a relationship eventually, but um, I think that if you really dig somebody and you're excited about going on a date, I think you should wait a little bit and get to know them mentally, spiritually, until you want, until you get to know them physically. Because all those things play a part when you are um, having sex. Totally. Agree. And it's like you're building tension, which is really hot. Totally hot. Yeah, you have to do that. 
I think there needs to be that tension. Otherwise, it's just, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And it's kind of like what you need to do in college. Um, that's, I think, the right. time to explore all of those, you know, one-nighters and all of all of those things. And then when you get out of college, it's not that you should be looking for somebody right away. At least that's what I've told my daughters, that they're not allowed to get married. One is married already. She just got married and she was 30 because I told both of them they're not allowed to get married until 30. So Alyssa waited and now uh, my other daughter, Lexi, is in a relationship and I just, you know, I, I want them, I wanted them to explore and do all the things that I should have done in my 20s. What do you think about that age is like, is there an age in your mind of when you, when is a good time to get married? What's too early? What's too, not too late, but what's too early? I love that. I think that's an amazing rule to wait till you're 30 to get married. I have so many friends that did not wait at all. Um, and I think they found themselves a little bored, like, mm-hmm. you know, being 27, 28 and married and, you know, I'm with you. Like there's your twenties is the most exciting, like carefree time in your life. And to rush into that just to get married, it seems pointless. And also when you're 30, you've completed your, what they call a Saturn return, which really just means that you are who you are now. And like you are a different person than when you were in your twenties. And I think you have to let yourself become who you are and then get married instead of getting married and then, you know, trying to figure out who you are, but being like, I don't want to say tied down, but, you know, not able to make that decision completely on your own. No, that's absolutely great advice. Um, I wish somebody had told me that. I am, of course, grateful that I have my two daughters and grateful for the marriage I had. Uh, but it wasn't working. Had I waited, had I had a blast and done all the things that I'm telling my daughters to do and other girls in their 20s, like, do not get married before you're 30. Like, just don't. Like, live out your 20s. Travel. Have sex with as many people. Safe sex, of course. With as many people as you can so you know what you love, so you know what kind of sex you love, you know what kind of human being you want to be with, who you want to share your life with, And it may not be the end all, you know, you may not have everything figured out by the time you're 30, but you're certainly going to know a lot more by the time you turn 30 versus getting married like I did at 25, at 24, actually, and then living out my 20s and my 40s because that's what I did. And it it seems like, yeah, go ahead. No, you said it. You said it perfectly. Are you finding that, um, and we might have to cut for a break, I'm not sure how much time we have because uh, we're on break now. Okay. We're going to take a break now, and we'll back, be back in a few more. We'll be back in a few minutes with Lindsay and more dating advice for millennials and beyond. I'll see you back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. 
In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hey, everybody. We are back, and I'm with Lindsay Metzler of We Met at Acme. It is the hip podcast about millennial dating, and we are just going to get into some real juicy stuff right now. Um, one of the questions, hi, Lindsay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, you talk a lot about breakups and how do you know when to take that risk and break up with that person? What signs should somebody be looking for? Yeah, there, oh, I mean, so many signs that we just don't pay attention to. But I would say the main ones are like, you know, if you're more unhappy in the relationship than you are happy, that is for sure a sign. If you're questioning it really like at all, but, you know, more than one or two times a month, like definitely pay attention to that if you're not having sex regularly, whereas you might have been before, that's something to pay attention to. If you're excited about other people and, like, the idea of being single, definitely that. And, like, if you're not missing them when you're apart and you're kind of bored when they're talking, like, these are all signs. And, you know, it sounds so obvious, but so many of us, just will say like, oh, well, they're, they're a good person or they love me, so I should stay. But that's never the reason that people have a successful marriage, in my opinion, even though I'm not married, but I assume. Do you have, that's, I think, great advice I love. I started laughing when you said um, even if you get bored in the relationship, if you're getting bored in the relationship when they're talking, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. And you're like, oh, my God, oh, yeah. will you just be quiet? I don't have any interest in what you're saying at all. It's like, why am I in this relationship, totally. right? But totally. what, if, what if everything else seems to be really good? Do you tell them to work on it? Do you say the risk isn't worth it? If you've got all these other wonderful things going, what if they're, what if they're married and what if they've got a child? What would you say to somebody like that? That's tough. I mean, I don't think you should give up as quickly as you can if you're not married and don't have a child. I think that if you are and you really want to make it work, you should absolutely go to couples therapy. I'm a huge believer in therapy. I think it's so important and so helpful and necessary uh, for relationships, even before marriage. And if there are things that you can talk about in therapy that you weren't able to discuss with just each other, then that's a wonderful thing. I'm with you on the therapy thing. I think that whether you're in a good place or you've gotten to that better place, I think therapy is a great thing for you. 
for your partner, go separately, go together, uh, because really what the most important thing is, is for you to be the healthiest version of you, whether it's, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, being mindfully, sexually, physically, fiscally fit in all these ways. So when you come into a relationship, you have all that stuff together. And I remember when my daughter was single, she had broken up with her boyfriend from college, I think, where they split up. I can't remember. So Lexi, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't remember all the details. But I just remember giving her the advice and said, you know what, just just get yourself completely together. You know, mentally start meditating, physically start working out more, take care of you. And then when you meet the right person or you really dig somebody that you want to pursue or you want to meet, you bringing, you're bringing the best version of you at that time into the relationship rather than bringing a bag of your crap with you. How do you feel about that? Totally. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, just like we're all, we're all going to bring you know, things into relationships. But I think that you should absolutely get out of something that isn't serving you anymore. If you're not growing from it, if it's not making you happy. Like, I think the best piece of advice someone gave me was like, if you're not smiling and excited when they walk in the door, like it's already over. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I was married for 17 years, and it took me a long, long time to decide whether or not I wanted to change my family dynamics. It was the hardest, hardest thing for me to do in my life. Um, But I'm glad I did it because it was necessary because all of those things you mentioned, I was going through. You know, I, I wasn't happy in the relationship. I was bored. All of those things you mentioned. And it was probably because I got married too young. I didn't know who I was. So anybody who's listening right now, please do not get married until you're at least 30. Please, please, please. You have 10 years, 15 years to have babies. So please don't be in a rush. Right? Yeah. I mean, even if you're together for like 10 years, there's still no rush. Right. Exactly. There's no, there's no rush. Um, so I, I've read something recently about a divorce rate with millennials. What do you know about that? Have you heard that there is a divorce that millennials are now getting divorced? Have you heard that? I believe it. I mean, I think, you know, the divorce rate, I think it was like over 50% last time I checked. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anyone is like can avoid divorce. If, if, if it's not working, it's not working. And I am not surprised that it happens to a lot of millennials because we're in this age where like everything's on social media and everything seems amazing. And so it's right. more pressure to have this like unrealistically amazing relationship that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so when I... you have your relationship and, and you're comparing it to others, constantly and others, by the way, who might not even have a good relationship, but that's what you're seeing, then you're going to be let down and you're going to think that you're in a bad relationship, whether or not you are. And you know how the compare game goes. Once you start comparing, you always lose. So it's never good to do that. And I know you're on social media all the time and so am I. And it's just, it's very hard to you you have to be very focused and not comparing whether it's a relationship or business or so on, right? I mean, once you start comparing, yeah. you know, you're always in the loser seat. Yeah, yeah. I, com- comparison is the thief of joy and expectations create disappointment. Yeah. So let's go to dating and uh, dating, which is what you're focusing on, Um for millennials, and one of the things that I've read about recently is that there is, in dating, um, there is an issue with men and ED and the connection to mm. antidepressants because so many millennials are on antidepressants or anti anxiety medication. 
And what kind of Mm -hmm. advice do you give to a man who is on antidepressants and is having a hard time getting hard? So you'd be so surprised, Jody, as to how many millennials actually are taking Viagra and Cialis. And it's like the statistics are shadily very high. It's just that nobody talks about it. And I don't know if they're high because, you know, of all the anti-anxiety, antidepressant medication that may be making it hard, no pun intended, um, <laughs> or if it's because, you know, people just, again, like they see whether it's porn or whatever it is online and they compare and they want to keep up. But I have tons of guy friends who who take Viagra and who take Cialis. And I'm not sure they share that with their partners. Um, So it it is a very real thing. And then I've experienced, you know, in the past when I was single, I was dating someone who had, I I dated two types of ED people. Um, One of them, you know, finished very quickly. And and that's also a form of ED that people don't realize. Right. And then the, the other one um, was, you know, struggled to, to get it up. And I, and that was because of antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication, and they were not open about that with me. So it was hard to have that discussion. So it is a very real thing that people are dealing with. It's funny because people just think it's for people my age, right? Like for the old people. Yeah. I don't consider myself old at all. I think in my mind, I'm 30 years younger. I do. I literally think I'm 39. Um, 20, I'm 20 years younger. Um, well, you, so, look, you look like you're in your 30s. So. Oh, well, thank you. You're so sweet. Um, mm-hmm. So do you think it's important for that, that man to tell his new partner that like, hey, I'm struggling with this and they shouldn't feel ashamed or embarrassed to share this? Totally. It's, it's, you know, there's far, like, there's so many things. Everyone has something. This is just not that big of a deal. And it's something that with the right person, you'll overcome it together. I completely agree. I think the more you share once you're in an intimate monogamous relationship or however you want to claim that relationship, if you're not monogamous or the, whoever you're having sex with should know that because if you're having sex, that's pretty intimate and that person should know that, Hey, I'm taking this and I might have a hard on for the next five hours, but I don't expect you to participate, you know, because that could be a problem too. I remember I went on a date and this guy had taken it because he was like, he thought I was this like wild, crazy girl. And I guess in my forties I was when my children were with their father and, uh, and he, he, I was like, what is going on? And he's like, oh, well, you know, the last time we had sex, you like wanted to keep going and going and going. So I wanted to make sure I kept up with you. I'm like, don't do that again. Like, just don't do that. Like, and that's where the communication is so important. Like, you want to know, did did you take something? Because I need to be mentally prepared that this is how the night's going to go or the day's going to go or wherever you are. So I think it's really important to always share that kind of stuff. And what about women? Do you find that women um, are having issues with lubrication or do you feel like it's just ED for men? I think women, you know, there are tons of women that struggle to, you know, I guess whatever the female version of getting it up is. Um, And they need, you know, help like from lube and things like that. But I think it's easier for women to need something and not be judged for it than for men. And I don't know why that is, but um, it it seems to be the case. Maybe just because, you know, the men are just so excited to be having sex at all, Um, whatever it is. But I feel like women do not have the same struggles. And granted, like there are times when there are tons of women who will reach out to me and tell me that their sex drive does not meet their partners and that they don't want to be doing it as much as their partner does. 
but, um, you know, that's the extent of it for me, for, for what I've heard. So when a woman says to you, you know, my partner's sex drive is higher than mine, do you ever suggest, well, why don't you let them masturbate? Why don't you just, you know, if you're not into it, could you talk him through or talk her through masturbating if it's a guy or, you know, whichever? Totally. I mean, it would be crazy to me if, if one person in the relationship sex drive is higher and the other person didn't let them masturbate. That would be like abusive almost. Um, I, think I completely that agree. You should be, yeah, you should be allowed to do whatever you want to do to to pleasure yourself, especially if it doesn't hurt or, you know, if it has, like, it, it really shouldn't affect the other partner. The other partner should be so supportive of that. I think masturbating is, you know, when I was growing up, you, we didn't talk about sex, we didn't talk about masturbating or anything like that, and quite honestly... You know, I didn't sit down with my daughters and go, girls, let me tell you about masturbating. It's a really good thing to do. Um, but I do remember that they came across, I don't know, one of my daughters is nosier than the other, came across some toys that I had during my dating years and was mortified. And I thought, listen, you know, if you don't know how to pleasure yourself, how are you going to teach your partner how to pleasure you? You need to know your body better than your partner. And I, you know, do you find that you give women that advice? I know you talk about body positive and feeling great in your body, but I think knowing how your body likes to be pleasured is incredibly important to tell your partner. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it all comes from knowing yourself and loving yourself before you can love someone else. And that extends to masturbation and understanding your body. I think a lot of people, especially women, are more uncomfortable with that idea, but in my generation they are. How do you feel women are in yours, millennials? Do you think they're more open to it? They watch porn? I think they are. I do think they are. I think every now and then there's someone who will reach out and be like, it, it, is it okay that my boyfriend watches porn? And I'll be like, yeah, and you should too, but um, right. that's more rare. I think we are, the good part about my generation is that we are more open sexually. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's so great. I think it's so important to ask the questions and to really know what your partner likes because let's face it, you know, sex is a huge part of your relationship. And that mind, body, and spiritual connection, if you can get all three of them. And again, I remember when I was dating and I was, so I got divorced in 2002 and Match.com had just come out. And so I was on that and I was on J-Date. And I remember putting down that I was looking for somebody that uh, had that balance of mind, body, and soul. And still, to this day, I mean, that's why I married my husband, because I had that connection mindfully, spiritually, and physically. And is that what you feel that when you find that, that great balance, like, do you have that with your boyfriend now? Do you feel like you found that, that connection with him? Do you find that that is the connection? Or do you think there's something else there that connects you really well to that other person? No, I think that's perfectly sad. I think you know, like he challenges me intellectually. We have that physical connection and, you know, we're, our souls like understand each other. We're able to communicate. And I think that's so important. It really is for them to almost like know how you're thinking that you're on that same level is so, I think so, so important. I think that is that emotional part of the relationship, I think, sets the, um, the whole relationship. Because if you connect emotionally, I think the physical part, the sexual part, just kind of falls into play. Yeah. Yeah. I think the emotional connection is so important. Um, but the physical connection is too. Like I, you know, someone once told me if, 
you have no issues, sex is 10% of your relationship. And if you have issues in that area, it's 90%. So that I do believe is a real thing. What is the best dating app out there? Hinge, for sure. No question. And why is that? Hinge is really for people who are looking for an actual relationship as opposed to just to hook up. And you can reveal more about yourself through your Hinge profile as opposed to on other dating apps because they ask specific questions. So you have more to work with. Okay. I like that. And what does fearlessly authentic mean to you? to live a fearlessly authentic life. What does that mean to you? To live a fearlessly authentic life, I really believe that you have to, you know, make sure that you feel good, whether it's your mental health or your physical health, to really own who you are and know who you are is the only way that you could be authentic to other people. So, it all starts with the home base of, of you. Agreed. You need to be strong. You need to be, you need to be in control of who you are and feel that strength and completeness, I think. I love that. Yeah. So, Lindsay, if people want to get in touch with you and need your advice, how do they reach you? They can reach me on my Instagram at We Met at Acme or my personal Instagram, Lynn's Met. Um, and they could go to my website, we met at acme.com, and listen to the podcast um, anywhere that they listen to podcasts. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a great, great pleasure and interview. I loved talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.